you would with me, and you can open to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll pop through a few verses here today. All month long, four Sundays, we are looking in the Bible really at women of faith. Today, uh, I'm going to look at two ladies that the Apostle Paul mentions. The grandma's name is Lois. The mother of Timothy is named Eunice. And they're not listed in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith. But let me tell you one thing about the Apostle Paul. If the Apostle Paul put your name in the scripture, that meant you did something noteworthy. Because the Apostle Paul prayed a prayer over another guy, and he turned him over to Satan. I was thinking, have you ever prayed that over anybody? God, I just thank you today. I bless you. And, you know, you know so-and-so. I just turn him over to Satan today. You probably never prayed that, have you? Paul said that. So when Paul is going to zero in on Timothy, but he's going to remind them of two powerful women that were influential in his life that affect his ministry, that's what we want to look at today. But let me start with this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 9. And typically, any time that I do a baby or child dedication, I read this verse I always have it highlighted every time it says you or your in my reading or in my Bible because it's talking importantly about who? Me. So look at your neighbor and say it's talking about you, right? About you. It's all about you. Talking about you. It's what you need to do. That's why we're going to see the you and the your. So let me read that with a little bit of that emphasis. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 9. It says, you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Is there anything left? Heart, soul, strength. That's everything loving the Lord. And these words which I command you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. When you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Well, that's a lot of you and a lot of yours. So notice that God is first saying, here's what you need to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus follows up with that exact thing. But he goes on and he says, teach this diligently to who? Your children. All right, how many grandmas we have here? Raise your hand, grandmas. Are grandmas proud? Is it better right here to raise grandkids than your own kids? Did I get an amen? Oh, they didn't I got one amen. Everybody else was like staying silent. I don't want to say that because they're here. Uh, how many moms do we have here? All right, how many aunts? How many, do we have any great-grandmas? Right, we got aunties and co- we got all, okay, great-grandmas all here. Notice that you have a responsibility to teach them diligently to your children. Men, that doesn't discredit you. They ain't talking about me. I'm no Lois. I'm no Eunice. No, I was talking to you too. But today we want to look at the influence of these two ladies that poured out their heart into Timothy, and then Paul's going to pick it back up. I was reading a story the other day, and this, uh, this younger guy was at the grocery store, and he was loading all of his groceries onto the conveyor belt. 
But he noticed that there was an older lady that was already at the check stand. She just kept staring at him. And he loaded just the few items that he had, and he turned his head, and she's staring at him. So he finally just said, ma'am, is everything okay? And she said, you look just like my son, and he passed away two years ago. Oh, all of a sudden, this young man, you know, his heart went out for this lady. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Is there anything I could do to help you? And she says, you know, when I leave the check stand and, and I turn and look at you, would you just say goodbye, Mom? I said, of course. So he gets to the check stand and gets ready to check out, and the lady turns and looks, and he says, goodbye, Mom. She says, goodbye, son. And then the clerk looked at him and said, okay, sir, that'll be $351. She said, $351? I only got a few items. He said, well, your mom said you'd pay for everything on the conveyor belt. <laughs> okay, don't try that today. Right? <laughs> don't anybody try that today. So we're going to look today, not only is there a relationship that we have with God, but there's also a relationship that we have teaching these things in our homes. Teaching these things in our homes. You know, David and Bathsheba had a son, his name was Solomon. Solomon in Proverbs 4 writes these words in verse 3 and 4. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me. And he said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments. And what? And live. So this is David and Bathsheba teaching young Solomon. He's not just teaching them his clever sayings. He's teaching them about a faithful, faithful God to follow. Teaching those things. You know, uh, I was thinking back, my mom, when I started driving, my mom would, if I went out on a Friday night or Saturday night, she would stay awake until I got home. She would be sitting on the couch with the light on. And I knew she had to get up Saturday morning and, you know, go, go to work. And I was never, I never had a curfew, but I was really never out that, that late. But I always figured this, especially the first few times going out, I'm going to show up, mom's going to be sound asleep, and I'll kind of tippy-toe and get in my room. No, 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 she was wide awake. It didn't matter if it was 12, 1 o'clock. You come in, mom's awake, and she would, well, she says, I want to pray with you. Come down here, let me pray with you. Now, I wasn't out then doing anything, you know, crazy or immoral or illegal. I was just, we were just out, hanging out. She always wanted to pray, and then we'd go to bed, and I knew she had to get up every morning. I didn't care if I was out till 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. Mom was up. And you know, that sits with you when you're out. We'd close down tops over here on Colorado, whatever they would close. And you know, oh, mom's going to be up. I have to walk in. She's going to want to pray with me. But let me tell you, it was those type of things that instill in you the power of a praying mom. Now, when my brother started going out, she didn't wait up for them. She went to bed. I remember, well, I'll bring that up every once in a while. We have everybody get together. And they always say that she needed to pray for me. You know, I kind of differed on that. But she would stay up and she would pray. Well, let me tell you this. When I got a little bit older and I was getting into stuff I shouldn't have gotten into, and I was hanging out with the people that I shouldn't have gotten into, there were things that we were trying to do. Bad. It just didn't work out. 
And I knew I'd look up and be like, all right, mom's praying here again, right? I just can't, I can't even get in trouble. I'm trying to get in trouble, and I can't get in trouble. It's not working. And I know mom's up, and she's at the couch, and she's on her, got her lamb. She's praying for me. But there comes a day when there's a shift that takes place in you. And I remember even at 19 years old, there was a shift that my mom was probably standing on, you know, on the word of God over my life, but there was a shift at 19 that I wasn't going to follow mom's God because I had an experience with my God. But her part in my life continues to this day. So our part in our children, our grandchildren, in our aunts and our uncles, our nephews, our neighbors' kids continues on because we're not told to stop at any time we continue to pray. So we're going to pick this up here in uh, 2 Timothy. But I want you to know, in fact, we're going to put it up on the screen here, Acts 16, just the first part. We read this in the book of Acts where Paul has this heart for a young man, a young pastor eventually, named Timothy. And it says, a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, that's going to be Eunice, who was a believer and his father was Greek. So we have Timothy, his mother's Jewish, his father's Greek. And if you read on, look a little bit later, read on in the book of Acts, because it's one of those stories that when you read, you just kind of laugh. And I can imagine the Apostle Paul going up to him and he'd be like with Brett saying, okay, Brett, you're going to come with me on a missionary journey. You're going to travel with me. And Timothy's all like, wow, really? He's just a young man. Really? Paul, the Apostle Paul? Yep. And uh, because you're part Greek, before we go, we need to circumcise you. Oh, no, 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 right? Aren't, that's what you read in the Bible. You think, man, that's in the Bible. Here's this young man. Paul's making sure that he's received everywhere he goes because that's one of the things that he was asked. Well, in 2 Timothy, let me read these verses. And I have, and I write in my Bible, I remember that the Apostle Paul is in prison. He's not in house arrest like in Philippians. He's in prison. I'll mention that in just a minute. But I want to pick up verses 1 through 7. And some of these verses are things that we've heard before. But Paul says this in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says to Timothy. To Timothy, my beloved child. You know, if you look through Paul's writing, he's not calling any other pastor beloved. You know, basically he's saying, Timothy, I want you to know something. I love you. I love you. And he goes on and he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God who I serve as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience. I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that you may be filled, or that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Let me read verse 5 again. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwells first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, 
and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let me read that again because that's out of the, uh, this is the English Standard Version. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let me read verse 5 out of the Passion Translation. It says, As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandma Lois, who passed it on to you, dear mother Eunice. And it's clear that you are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Now remember this, we'll see it in a little bit. All scripture, the Bible says, is God-breathed. So when the Apostle Paul is writing this and mentions Lois and Eunice, he's not just complimenting them to write them a thank you later. This is the Holy Spirit that is causing him to speak to Timothy, but to remind him of a godly heritage of faith that started with his grandma, that went to his mom, and now he wants to say, and it's in you. Remember the line, the heritage, the faith that has been passed down to you. We know in reading Acts 16 that Lois and Eunice probably accepted Jesus sometime in Acts 16. And that was one of Paul's first missionary journeys. This was, remember, this is the time when the church is persecuted and they've become Christians, though Eunice is Jewish and her husband, which we don't have a name, is Greek. But when the Apostle Paul writes this, he's in prison. In fact, I wanted to throw up a picture here real quick that'll come up. He's in a prison that today is referred to as Mamertine Prison. And this isn't um, a cell. In fact, today it looks nice and clean. But back in those times, it was referred to as the House of Darkness. And there's a hole in the floor that was the sewer system. And depending on the events and things taking place in Rome, it would fill up and come into the cell. And many times if you were a prisoner in that cell, you were standing up on the only thing that you could to get out of the sewer. The way that Paul was placed in this prison was by a hole that was in the roof of it. And he would have been lowered down. And because he was a Roman citizen, it allowed him for people to come to bring him food to bring him clothing. In fact, um, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, when he's in this prison, he writes these words, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. You see, you didn't get put in this prison. This was almost two stories down in a cold area because they were just holding you for a time. You were put in this prison because the next thing that happened to you, you were executed. And back in those days, you could have been crucified. You could have been thrusted with spears. You could have been thrown to the lions and the bears. You could have been beheaded. Well, according to the book of martyrs, Paul was beheaded. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if there's a what you would choose. How are the bears doing today? Did they eat? Because I might want to try the bears. No, you wouldn't want any of that. So the apostle Paul is down in this dungeon type area. It stinks. It's dark. 
The way that you eat and have clothes is by somebody bringing you something. He knows his time of departure is at hand. His ministry on earth is about over. He has on his heart, which we read in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he has on his heart the care of all of the churches. That's what weighs on him day and night. And so think of this. You're in the middle of your own mess. And the last thing you're going to want to do is write Timothy, who evidently is probably going through an issue with the church he's pastoring in Ephesus. But Paul isn't thinking in his own mess. He's going to stop and he's going to encourage Timothy. You know, and the reason I wanted to read this because we all go through our own mess, don't we? We have all of our own things that we deal with. But when you're going through things at a difficult time, don't focus on you. Focus on who God would want you to reach out to. It's dark. It stinks. The sewer's backed up. It's cold. I need a candle to write. I can't see very well. Why do I want to write Timothy? Timothy, my beloved son. I love you. I want you to be stirred up today. I want you to remember about your grandma, the faith of Lois, the faith of Eunice, and I saw it in you. And he's writing all these things in the middle of a mess. In fact, verse 5, I love when we read that. He says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandma Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy is a young pastor, and the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing him these words to remember the line of faith of Lois and Eunice. You know, there's a statistic, and I I looked it up to see if it was current, and it is. 83% of people that accept Jesus, 83%, do so between the ages of 4 and 14. 83% of people that accept Jesus do so between the ages of 4 and 14. Where are they living during those ages? They're in home. Some might be with a grandma. Some might be with an aunt. Some are home with a mom. Some are home with mom and dad. But they're in a home. So 83, the higher percentage of opportunity for that age group to accept Jesus happens when they're younger. You know, I remember when we first were youth pastoring, and I would hear this all the time. Could you please meet with my son or daughter? You know, they name it out. They've they really got some problems. And so you meet with the kid. And you sit down, and you're talking about it, and you find out the kid doesn't have problems. It's the parents. You hear all these stories. So you know what I used to do? And I heard this from a pastor years and years ago, and I heard, remembered it. When a parent would come and say, you know what, I need you to meet with my son. He's just having troubles. And you, can you straighten him out? And I said, sure, I'd be glad to meet with your whole family. Oh, no, no, it's not our family that needs. And I would, oh, yeah, it is. It's all of you. We want to meet with all of you. Because the significant influence in that household is the family unit. It's the family unit. You know, my mom, when we were growing up and I, I, I don't want to say we couldn't stand it, but my mom did Good News Club, which meant several afternoons after school, we were at other people's homes because she was doing Bible classes. And, you know, as kids growing up, you want to be playing kickball or football or basketball. 
you know, you wanted to get out of having to do homework, so, but mom would take us to these, you know, good news clubs. And she'd pick us up from school and, are we going home? No, we're going to good news club. And I'm sure everybody looked like this in the car. Oh, goodness club. Well, my mom had, do any of you grew up in Sunday school and they had the felt figures? Anybody remember those? You got the felt figures? She would do the felt Bible story. And I always cracked up. Jesus always had a lamb over his shoulders. <laughs> she would do the felt one. And I remember she got totally into like the black light felt people. They turn all the lights out. She had the black light, and you know Jesus is now glowing, and the animals are glowing. She saw so many kids except Jesus during that time. You know, we were we were drug along. You know, today you think about it, and you think about trying to fit those type of things in your schedule. But she was out after for these kids to have an opportunity to hear because evidently they weren't hearing. You know, the the worst trouble that I remember that I ever got, in fact, I do remember at 17, my mom told me to go in my room, pull my pants down because I was going to get spanked. I remember looking at her, I'm not 17, I'm not pulling my pants down. Worst trouble I ever got in. And the deal was, and we were at a Christian school, we always had scripture memorization and not just like Jesus wept, right? That wasn't like the, the one, I mean, long and so one time, I wanted to get outside and play whatever we were playing. And so I wrote out on three by five cards a verse, and I hid it in the couch. And so as I'm having to go and recite these memory verses before I can go out and play, and I'm sure I look nervous, I'm glancing down, glancing down. And she came around, and she picked up those memory verses, and she saw that I was cheating in the Bible. Oh, did I ever get it? You're cheating the Word of God. Oh, that was like, that was like a big, big deal. But it was an impact to me that I remember that today. She valued those teachings. There was a story I was reading of a minister that his four sons were also pastors. And so they were asked in a table talk discussion, who is the best preacher of the five of you, dad or the boys? And they all with one voice said, our mother. <laughs> Mom was the preacher. There's such an influence, and I know today we're reading about Lois and Eunice, but ladies, there's such an influence that you have with your children. In fact, I wrote this down. What did Lois and Eunice teach Timothy? What did they teach? Well, we read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. The Apostle Paul writes this down. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with, what? The sacred writings. From childhood, he was acquainted with the sacred writings. In fact, it goes on and says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Remember the sacred writings. Well, let's go back to Timothy's time. You didn't have a Bible like we have today. You didn't have an app on your phone that you went to today. 
They were all on scrolls. They were kept in the synagogues. And then as they were translated on, on scrolls, they were looked at, given back. The sacred writings, the stories that Lois and Eunice were telling Timothy, a young boy, probably about Adam and Eve, and Abraham and Sarah, and of course, David and Goliath, Daniel, all of those different prophets, she, they were pouring in those little stories into him. And now the Apostle Paul, when whatever Timothy is going through, the Apostle Paul wants him to remember those things and fan them into flame. Make them red hot. Make them alive. So think about this. What am I depositing into my children that will last? What's going to last in 50 years? 100 years. What am I depositing? How will they live their life? How will they lead their families? How will they make decisions? You know, uh, and I, I remember the story, and it was, and I remember the date. It was a summer camp, 1999. I was looking through a bunch of pictures. Every picture I had a diet soda drink, every picture. And I felt like that day, the Lord told me to quit drinking soda. I haven't drinking soda since 1999. But I drink coffee, I drink tea, I drink water, but I don't drink soda. Even today, if I drink soda, I think, oh, this is evil. Who drinks this, you know, these things? You know, my kids don't drink to this day. They don't drink soda. Well, they will every once in a while. You know what they drink? Well, except Maverick doesn't drink coffee. They drink coffee, they drink tea, and they drink water. Why do you think that is? Because we don't do it at home. If I was drinking soda and I was having all of those things, but here's the thing. That's not something, that might not be something good to pass down for health, but it's not something passing down to them that's eternal, that's fanning the flame of decisions. It's the sacred writings. It's what we looked at early on in Psalm 111, where David says, study to understand God. Look at his ways. See what he does. What if there was no church, no Christian school, you had no Christian friends, there was no Christian radio, no Christian TV, nothing Christian, and it all depended on you? What would you do? How would you lead your family? What would you talk about? What would you discuss? Well, you know what you would do? You'd be forced to go back into what? The writings. To go through the stories, to talk about the stories. So, so important because if this Christian faith doesn't work at home, then it doesn't work. It's got to start in my home. And we don't bow, you know, we're not preaching at the kids, but we're trying to always throw in something that has to do with wisdom. And you just pray that it sticks. But here's what I love that I didn't read. In verse 14 of 2 Timothy 1, here's what the Apostle Paul says. But the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Because here's what I get the picture of. Here's little Timothy and Lois, grandma, and mom are depositing into Timothy the sacred writings. They're talking to him about the stories. They're telling him the, the, of what God did throughout Israel. And all of a sudden, Timothy's growing up and he gets the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul is pouring into his life. 
Well, the Apostle Paul knows his time is coming short, but here's what the Apostle Paul knows. You got a great mom, you got a great grandma, you got a great mom, you've had me, but here's what you have. You have the Holy Spirit who's going to take every single thing that you've been taught. He's going to teach you and show you and lead you and guide you. But it's those deposits that we drop and the deposits that we mention that are so, so important. You know, when our kids started kindergarten is when it hit us. They will now spend eight to nine hours or longer of their day with somebody else that we really don't know. Eight or nine hours with friends that we don't know yet. But it's important that we deposit into them the very truth of God. So here's what Timothy had. Timothy, he doesn't have the right background. He's half Jew, half Greek. We don't know if his father was a spiritual leader. We know that he's young as a pastor. We know that he now has a grandma, a mom, and Paul. But here's what we know about him. It was the faithfulness of his grandma, the faithfulness of his mom, that nurtured that faith to where now Timothy, Paul says, fan into flame. Don't allow a spirit of fear to come over you, but allow that power, love, and a sound mind. So for every grandma and for every mom, for every aunt, for every neighbor that has influence in kids, we pray over you today that you understand your role is so, so important that you are passing on those sacred writings. And here's what we know. The Holy Spirit will take it from there. We do our part in the Holy Spirit. Don't take this as a condemning, but take it as, am I being intentional? You know, we're all tired at the end of the night, aren't we? Sometimes... and. We try to do other things just to try to relax, but it just takes those little bits, throwing those things out. Sometimes you wonder, are they even listening? Are they even hearing it? Are they, are they even following? But here's what I allow. I allow the Holy Spirit to take over because he'll take those things and keep it before them because that's the promise of God. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. So, Lord, we are thankful today for women of faith that we read in the Bible. We don't read about... Lois and Eunice in Hebrews 11, but we read about them from the Apostle Paul, that they deposited in this young pastor who's leading a church, a metropolitan area, who he's evidently going through situations and struggles. And the Apostle Paul says, I've seen your tears. I understand your tears. But I'm here to tell you that you've got a background of faith. I'm here to tell you to rise up. I'm here praying for you night and day. I can't wait to see you. It's going to be a joy for me to see you. But fan into flame the word of God. And don't be full of fear, but be full of power, be full of love, and be full of a sound mind. With every parent, grandparent, aunt, and uncle today, Lord, we come today and we submit ourselves to you. And you've placed children across our path, even sometimes now older ones. Lord, in our times of, of devotion, in the words that we say, how we pray, I thank you that we're led by your Holy Spirit. That you talk to us about the ways to talk to them. And that, Lord, the, the teachings and the, the stories and the things that we tell, even if it's 15 minutes in the car, 
taking them to a sporting event to drop them off. Lord, that you drop things in our spirit of when to say things at the right time that will get in their heart. And Holy Spirit, you're going to take over. You're the teacher. And we partner with you in ministry that you are raising godly children because we did it intentionally by the power of the Holy Spirit. We trust you this day, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand if we will. We're going to close the song of worship. Timothy, it says to stir up the gift, but you just don't do that just by act of mental, you know, I'm going to stir up the gift. It says stir up the gift through the laying on of hands. There is something that happens when you become intentional about wanting to put into practice and to put into action what's been taught, what's been poured into by the laying on of hands. And so I, you know, we can do that. We can come forward and have hands laid on us. And I absolutely, if you want that this morning, please come down here. We will do it, not hesitate. But I want to tell you, I, I don't think that it has to even be that formal. It can happen in your house. It can happen when your grandbabies are with you and they're playing and running around and you just say, you know what, Father, I thank you that in Jesus' name, while they're playing here with these Legos, that what's being poured into them is being stirred up. When we're in the car, when I get to take Mav in the morning, because um, I don't get to do that all the time because Walt drops him off at school or he drives himself. But there's a certain point on our drive when we turn the one corner and we start the confession. And as soon as the confession's done, then my hand goes on his leg. He's sitting right next to me. My hand goes on his leg, and I just begin to thank the Lord that, you know what, his mind is open and alert to receive wisdom and instruction and knowledge while he's in school today, and that you keep him safe. And, Father, I thank you that he's growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I'm laying hands on that kid because I believe that the gifts will be stirred up in his life. I encourage you, start being a little bit more touchy in your house. We need to lay hands on our kids. Lay hands on one another and stir up the gifts that are on the inside of each one of us. Maybe you didn't have a biological mom and a biological grandmother to pour into you. I'm confident of this. There has been somebody in your life that has poured in exactly what God intended to be poured in. And that you get the opportunity to pour into somebody else. That is why on Mother's Day, what we just did last week, we celebrate all women because whether you have biological children or not, you have the opportunity, male and female alike, to pour into somebody. Amen? That's a good message today. 
we should all take something from it. And if it's if the only thing is lay hands on somebody, please do it. Be gentle and be kind. Sometimes you want to lay a little bit stronger hand. <laughs> and sometimes that stirs the gift. <laughs> That's not what I am encouraging today, folks. But as always, we love seeing your face. It is beautiful to us. You are If you haven't been told that this week, you need to be told. You are beautiful. Uh, there was a little saying when we were younger, God doesn't make junk. You ain't junk. You are beautiful. And we love seeing you here. We're a family. And God is good to us. Amen. Well, we are going to get to sit together as a family and enjoy some soup on this kind of cool day. Isn't that kind of nice? I got to smell it as I walked through the kitchen. It smells yummy. So join us next door as we have... Uh, soup together. Have a fabulous week and make sure you hug and love on Kirk and Janice. Enjoy some cake that Cheryl made and give them, give Kirk and Janice a hug and appreciate them. Love you. God bless.